0: Well, let's start with the Phantom Lord stuff. Um, right. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's that time, okay? And a lot of people are misreporting, because that's what we do, that this is the big court case. This is the big one. This is the, the Rainmaker... One way or the other for uh, for Phantom Lord, because if you've followed the case like I have right from the start I went back and watched the original video today and it was like, like,F you know, like that, that long ago, like 2016 That's right um, that's how long like, this has been dragging go too
1: out for hard on stuff or you'll have to dodge both S <laughs> Force and Clinton
0: assassins. Guys, if anyone's getting killed because of eSports it's it's a hundred percent me so like place your bets if you if you do a death pool where you work, get me in it every year. So it'll happen, you know? Um, but anyway, um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of people are misreporting that this is, like, the big one, and it's not. What's going on on, on August the 13th and the 14th is we're going to establish some, like, material facts about, um, you know, the level of compensation that Phantom Lord would be entitled for. That's what we're talking about so basically what happened is if you followed the story uh is that phantom lord wanted to get his channel back after he was removed unceremoniously from twitch for the things that we uncovered which was that he had a not just a undisclosed ownership stake in csgo shuffle but skype logs uh, appeared to show that he was basically rigging the outcomes by using the people who coded the website so he could rig it for content so in other words if you needed to lose to make it funny he could do that but crucially if he needed to win and take away his viewers money he could do that too and if you remember famously people are putting it in the chat already every, every time there was a spin because it would use the provably provably fair you know, you know, system it was provably a scam That's right. he would ask the what's rich, the percentage you know what's what's the percentage uh of, of you know that i would need to bet on to see what the outcome would be and he would just put pers- you know Percent, percent, Joris percent, 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 percent. Um, so this, uh, th- 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 this led to Twitch removing him for obvious reasons. Uh, then down the road, uh, you know, I think because I've, I've said this before, I, I, I like, I always like James. Like, I have to make this absolutely clear. If we talk about, um, you know like all the stories i've covered like there's just so many at various points where it's like uh it's just really sad and you have to report stuff about people you like you know and it's it's just no exception it doesn't matter who it is like for example i saw like amit rosada's gone on the uh press offensive against rick fox if any of his allegations are proven true um, and I get evidence of that. I'm going to report it. It doesn't matter how much I like Rick or how good I think Rick is for the business. You know, remember, I'm I'm, I'm the guy who took a principled stand against one of his better friends in, in Counter-Strike. You know, it's like, listen, that no one gets a pass for, for corruption and bullshit with me. I can't do it. I couldn't live with myself. So uh, it doesn't matter who you are. And my relationship with James was always like kind of weird in the sense that he was a lot bigger than me at the time, but he, he was very, um, I think he recognized me as one of the journalists that was, you know, kind of like interested in reporting on streaming culture and happenings. And it was always very fair. So whenever we needed a, um, you know, whenever we needed it, whenever he wanted, uh, whenever there was a story and he wanted to get a quote out, you know, we would interact and, you know, I had him on, I had him on Skype. Um, I had him on, you know, I think we'd, I, we'd met in person at uh, Gfinity. I think he was, that was the one where he went to Nando's and got food poisoning from the dodgiest Nando's in all of London over in Fulham. And, uh, you know, I always thought he was a cool guy. I was there when all of that, I think it was Lizard Squad was the hacking group at that time. And, uh, he basically, um, you know, got, ended up getting swatted off the back of that. Uh, so... You know, and I reported all of this stuff. But the thing that was always clear about it for me was that he was very much like uh, a moth moth to the flame when it came to uh, money and attention. Like, you could see that he was willing to go to lengths other streamers wouldn't go to in order to get that level of fame and notoriety. And that was provable during the whole Lizard Squad thing. You know, it, it ended up with him being swatted. I remember him saying, like, you know, he'd never had a assault rifle pointed at him before. But, you know, it, it, and he, he did a stream afterwards. And it was like, you know, he's very visibly shaken up by it, as you would be. So when, when this skins gambling stuff took off, it was kind of sad to see him go down that rabbit hole, honestly, because I think he was a very talented entertainer. I um, I think he brought a lot to the streaming table, but what started happening was these skins were basically a license to print money. They, they, were, they were completely unregulated, nobody was paying any attention, and again, it's no coincidence that the same people, you know, like the T Martins of this world, who literally just go from fucking scam to scam to scam to, scam to make money from their fan base... Uh, it's no surprise that they were all over it because they just knew it was, you know, and and it's like I said at the time, don't think, don't think that there weren't other people in, you know, that were offered this opportunity. Don't think there weren't websites out there saying, Richard, if you come on board with us and vouch for us, we'll give you a share of the money. We'll give you a huge share just to be a brand ambassador, you know? And I said, no, don't think guys like Hector when all of his fucking Call of Duty homies around him were doing it, don't think he didn't have an opportunity to get involved and do it himself. But he chose not to because the principle was, and the integrity was worth more than the money to him. And that's how I always felt about it. So, <clears throat> the uh, anyway, we get to this situation where when it all came out, you know i tried to reach phantom lord a couple of times before we broke the story and you can you know sam will vouch for this as well like i was shitting my pants about this because it was like we we spent uh i don't even know how long it was we we had the logs the logs were out there publicly His skype had been hacked and there were accounts leaking this and it just never blew up and then we got the complete logs like six months so i said to sam like we, uh, we need to go through this with a fine-tooth comb and check that, you know. On the dates he's asking for percentages, did he stream? Is there a VOD? Uh, you know, did, oh, look, he's saying he's doing a giveaway. Let's go on his Twitter and match it up. So what we created was basically a roadmap of six months of, tw- uh, of, of Skype logs, or whatever it was, where it completely corresponded. So there was no argument in our mind as to whether these were fake or not and that took a long time, and then after that, I tried to hit him up, and he was, like, busy, and I was like, look, it's pretty fucking urgent, dude, like, I really need to talk to you, and then in the end, it got to a point where it was just like, listen, like, we gotta pull the trigger on this, because if we don't, like, every day we we sit on this, every day we sit on this, is another day somebody out there can can potentially get scammed, and I don't like that feeling, you know, it's like I say, it's like, You always have to walk the line about you've got to be factually accurate obviously that's the first thing but there is a timeliness too and then it's like what are you prepared to sit on because if you sit on something you become complicit so we just pulled the trigger and immediately you know you can guess the reaction blocked um on skype um you know there was people coming forward and saying um, you know, this, this definitely isn't right. You've made it up. You know, you know, the usual stuff that I always go through whenever I publish a story and, um, you know, we, we had backups, like we went out and we got definitive, uh, proof and we never published it, um, because we didn't need to, but it was, it was an insurance plan. It was like, if we ever go to court, I can just deploy this. So we, and we backed that up and we put that everywhere. So for, for, for me at that point, um, it was, it's kind of weird because Twitch never really, um, they ne- the, Twitch, I, I had a very few cursory conversations with them about it. Um, and I was expecting to be deposed during this lawsuit, honestly. I was sat around being like, I've been named in pretty much all of the lawsuit uh, paperwork up until this point. I'm probably going to get deposed. So I was sat waiting about it. I talked to a lawyer. You know, being like, look, I think I'm going to get deposed, you know, like, um, whatever. But it just never happened. I don't know why to this day, um, you know, that I wasn't called up for this because it kind of feels like it would be. Maybe that's something down the road. Who knows? But anyway, the long story short is that with everything that was out there, I think Twitch were... I mean, keep in mind, Twitch can just pull you off the platform for any reason anyway. It makes it absolutely clear. For me, there was enough evidence presented that Twitch had to intervene. They had to, you can't even allow, you know, you just can't allow somebody to be doing that on that platform because when, when, when the politicians get involved and when the complaints start coming in, they're not going to go after, you know, we saw this with Valve. People, people didn't sue the owners and the creators of the websites. They, they tried to, and then the lawyers were like, listen, if you want the big fish, if you want the rainmaker in a class action, you go after Valve. Valve enabled it. That, That was the theory. So you go after them. So it would have been, it would have been Twitch. It would have been Twitch that would have got named in all of these lawsuits. So they had to act and they had to act decisively and make it clear that if you're doing this kind of thing on their platform, you know, it it is verboten. You absolutely cannot. So that's what they did. Now, because of that, Phantom Lord decides to sue Twitch for uh, breach of contract and unfairly removing him. He, he made it very clear on his streams that I watched when he was streaming on YouTube, doing, again, variety of, like, case openings and everything else. Doesn't even seem to play games anymore whenever I tune in over there. Uh, he basically said... You know, I just want my. You know, this was about getting his channel back because I think um, I think there was always a belief in his mind that he would make that they would maybe settle out of court and say, okay, you can come back on the platform. Well, Twitch aren't absolutely going to do that because think about the precedent that sets. So then it shifted and it rapidly became about, hey, um, you know, it needs to be about damages. Now, what they're going to be talking about in the court on the August 13th and the August 14th is just one facet of this lawsuit. It is not gonna be the absolute decision about who did what or whatever. It is literally about how much much in damages Phantom Lord can possibly get from the lawsuit. That's what it's about. Because one of the things that we brought up, if you go back and watch my videos, you know where I was reading the legal documents and covering the case, uh, if you go back and look at it, there is a limited liability, okay? limited liability and you will see lots of companies will put this in limited liability riot games do it for example i I can't remember the exact amount but it's explicit in the lcs contract that if say for example you were playing league of legends in their studio and a light fitting falls hits you on the head and kills you your family only gets a set amount of compensation it might be like twenty thousand dollars or something and that's it and they cannot be liable for any more and it's a, and companies put this in their contracts all of the time to basically limit how much compensation uh, they have to pay, and that's how, that's just that's just corporations yeah, that's and companies journalism. for you, right? So right. Um, they had this clause hey, that Phantom Lord could o- potentially only make fifty thousand dollars. Like so, even if the the court rules in Phantom Lord's favor, um, they that and and they find that Twitch has breached the contract and acted improperly, he would only get 50000 that they would, they would cap because of the uh, clause. In the, so that is what they're talking about on the 13th and the 14th. And the good news is, guys, I've got the documents. Uh, because on the 30th of July, they had to submit the, the arguments they're going to argue in court, basically. Uh, that's what we've got. I think it's like uh, they're called uh, briefs. So what they've done is they've they've literally put these out in the public domain. I've got I've got Phantom Lords and Twitches, so it's interesting because it, it, it's both sides of an argument as it's going to be presented on the thirteenth and fourteenth. And um, anyway, so. A lot of people got talking about it because Dingle Derpa, which is Phantom Lords X, wink wink, um put a tweet out basically saying, "Hey, we we, we, we want to get um we want to get reporters down to the court case and we're finally going to hold Twitch accountable." And I was like, "Wait, what? Do you really think that's what this is about?" So, I I'll, I'll show you the um I'll show you the video. Um And again, remember we we know from the chat logs that were out that dingle derpa had an awareness that phantom lord was an owner in um csgo shuffle because she was asking for for skins and where well, he was giving her stuff uh for the giveaway and it was explicitly said to joris you know so if if we and and his own lawyers have admitted the skype logs are genuine what they tried to invoke in a previous lawsuit uh, sorry, a previous uh, filing was that it was fruit—the fruit of the poisonous tree—because they were obtained illegally by a hacker. But they, but, but they, they said that you can't obtain something that doesn't exist illegally. So in d- in doing that, they admit they are genuine. Um. So anyway, this is the uh, this is the video.
1: Hey guys, I have some really important information that I want to share with you. So if you could please take a minute out of your day and just watch this video, I would really appreciate it. Anyone in the San Francisco area on the 13th and 14th, um, there will be a public hearing that is open to the public. Anyone can come and it's going to be really high up Twitch employees on the stand being questioned by lawyers. And it's going to be questions regarding TOS and contracts. And I know that there's questions that I have and that I know that you guys have. And I'm really excited to hear Twitch's side of the story. Finally, for once and all, we're going to get answers from the Twitch employees themselves so if anyone could come out that would be amazing obviously I can't record so it'd be awesome if you guys could come out and also any reporters that want an opportunity at this I really suggest that you come out the address is above and my, open, uh, my DMs are open you can ask me questions on my Twitch I'm gonna try and give you guys as many answers as I can and yeah thank you so much for watching this and I hope I see some of you so let's get some answers
0: i'm excited now um that in itself um is is kind of a very absurd characterization of what's going to happen right so what's actually going to happen is that that it's going to be an open hearing right which is standard for this type of um uh case um why why she's inviting people to come down and listen to it though i I don't understand you're not gonna have any input it's not gonna be a fucking q a at the end like hey twitch i got banned as well in the middle of a fucking court case like i mean it just seems to be like a very strange way to maybe try and get like some fucking supporters down like but i don't understand why you would do that then there's this other thing high-level twitch employees are going to be there no i looked at the docket um you, you're going to have exactly one twitch employee there it's going to be john howell vice president of global partnerships tosspot's going to be there he doesn't work at twitch and op uh jason uh Babo uh is going to be there and he doesn't work at twitch anymore so you're going to have one twitch employee um, and the reason that Tosspot and, uh, or Stuart Saul, will call him, uh, the reason he's going to be there and the reason Jason's going to be there is because they were the people that basically negotiated his um, uh, Phantom Lords contract when he moved over from owned. And that's what this discussion pertains to. So this isn't Twitch being held accountable by a judge and having to answer uh you know to 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 a court for their moderation decisions that isn't what's going on here what's actually going on here is that they are basically having a, a debate about uh, well uh, uh, rather they're presenting to the judge their arguments about whether or not there should be a limited liability in phantom lord's case they're not going to be addressing whether or not they were right to kick him off the platform they're not going to be addressing whether or not phantom lord uh done any of the things that he's alleged to have done they're simply just going to discuss this one clause in a contract that's it and the reason that they've brought in the people that initially um signed the the contract with him is is because one of the arguments as i'll show you in the documents uh, is that um, oh, Phantom Lord didn't know what he was doing. There was a there was a power dynamic. Uh, there was a disparity in the power dynamic, and Phantom Lord felt pressured to sign the contract, and therefore the contract it itself should be invalidated. And does this sounds a little bit like what we've got going on with the Tifu situation? Um, so again, it's just so strange to me that you would put this out there like we all know like anybody can go and find the court dates but to try and rustle up support and say hey come down come down to the court case I, I, I'd i love to meet some of you guys like what you're doing a fan meetup up at your ex-boyfriend's court case like what is this like what kind of fucking uh, nonsense is this let's start breaking down these documents I think what we'll do first is we'll um We'll get the uh, we'll get the Twitch version because I think that's kind of important. You're not even a real journalism. So let me just get the link. Right. She has Just got to go to the Superior Court of California uh, documents. If anyone's interested and they want to read these in their own time, um, you can get the case files from there. I've just put it in the chat. Uh, so twitch with twitch brief that's the witness list that's the exhibit list this is the brief so I'm hoping I can just bring this up actually let me just see because usually oh it's doing that thing again isn't it oh, fucking exploit dudes yeah I can't, it, it just immediately scrolls to the bottom of like PDFs <sighs> one of these days Right, don't worry, guys. This will take two seconds. But you can read along if you guys are interested. I'm gonna skip large parts of this because there's so many boring uh, aspects to it that um, that have, have just been repeated in previous documents. Because that's just the nature of like lawsuits, where you just have to fucking file over and over and over again. So you end up just repeating stuff, and you have to dictate terms and all of this stuff. Using XSplit in 2019. What's wrong with that? It's the best. As proven by the fact every time I do a stream, we get strobing websites. You know? What's wrong with y'all? XSplit isn't shit. It's easier to use than OBS, dude. And that's what counts. It, it, ease of use i might jump into this twitch one that they've made uh might be an idea because apparently it's designed for boomers and idiots so it's perfect for me right okay so this is the document here so this is twitch's version basically this is their argument as to why and remember this isn't an argument as to whether phantom lord had done anything wrong this isn't an argument as to whether phantom lord owned csgo shuffle this isn't an argument about whether or not Twitch can terminate his contract right. even, um, although there is some of that in there. Their the reasoning behind it is in, in this document. This is simply about whether or not the, um, lia- the limited liability should count. So, I uh, will get down to here. So, Introduction. This case arises out of Twitch's termination of a content license and base network agreement with James Varga, a celebrity in the video gaming world who streamed videos of his gameplay through Twitch's content streaming service. Following repeated violations of Twitch's rules and guidelines, that's interesting because it states that he had been banned a few times in the past. He'd had warnings as well where they took no punitive uh, measures against him. So, they are saying this is a holistic thing. This is like, not just, this was like the, CSGO Shuffle was the final straw. Is this stream for adults and hosts adult content? Well, yeah, maybe. Um Following repeated violations of Twitch's rules and guidelines, which drew numerous warnings and penalties from Twitch, Varga committed one more violation that proved to be the final straw. He concocted a scheme using his Twitch channel as a vehicle to promote and profit from a potentially illegal third-party gambling website in which Varga had an undisclosed financial interest. Varga lured Twitch users to this gambling site where he exploited them by rigging jackpots in his favor. He did so in blatant breach of his obligations to Twitch and contrary to his assurances to Twitch that he would improve his conduct and observe its rules, when Twitch discovered the scam in order to protect its users, it terminated Varga's contract and Twitch account leading to this litigation. Varga sued Twitch for breach, intentional interference with contractual relations and intentional and negligent misrepresentation, Twitch which countersued for breach of contract and the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, negligent misrepresentation, and fraud. Okay. So, while the determination of liability lies ahead <clears throat> in this bifurcated action, so if you want to know what a bifurcated action is, it, 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 is, a, it is a two-branching, Uh, you know, like legal action, so bifurcated means it branches into two. Um, In this case, you have their lawsuit and the counter uh, lawsuit. Uh, So Eliza lies ahead in this bifurcated action. The coming trial is narrowly focused on a single threshold issue, whether the limitation of liability provision in the contract between the parties is enforceable. To make this determination, the court will need to make the following legal determinations based on well-settled law regarding the enforceability of the limitation of liability clauses in California. Indeed. Uh, is the limitation of liability provision procedurally unconscionable? Meaning, is it oppressive or surprising as a result of unequal bargaining power between Varga and Twitch? So that's argument number one. They're going to look at. We've talked about this before with the Tifu case. Unconscionability for those that are new and don't come in and, and watch when I break down legal doc- documents. Unconscionability means that the contract can't be held up because the um, because of a lack of awareness or uh, a lack of um, you know mental uh clarity on part of the person that enters into the contract so this could be if you sign a contract under duress this could be if you were mentally impaired um this could be if the contract was so uh disproportionately unfair as to clearly not be in the interest of the other person that they could only sign it under those kind of circumstances that's effectively the I mean, the three choose. main areas of unconscionability that's which right. again this was brought up with Tifu. just to remind you all the the in the Tifu issue they could couldn't argue unconscionability because he was an adult. Um, he he admits he's admitted multiple times that he he signed the contract with with, with a clear mind, and ultimately there wasn't uh, a disparity in in a power dynamic, which is one of the arguments you'll see in this document here. Phantom Lord basically argues that um, Twitch they they had a uh, uh, an unfair advantage and leverage over him. We'll get to that in his document. Argument two that they're going to discuss is the limitation of liability provision substantively unconscionable? Meaning, is it so one sided as to shock the conscience? Now, this also means um, so, yeah, the first one is procedural. Uh, unconscionability substantively unconscionable was what I was talking about when there's like a clause in a contract that's just so monumentally unfair that to sign it you have to have you know it's it's, it's not in your interests to sign it effectively so that's substantively unconscionable uh, if the answer to, to this question is no <laughs> then the inquiry is over a contract must be both procedurally and substantively unconscionable to be enforceable which will prove at trial that the limitation of liability provision is both procedurally and substantively conscionable. This is not the case of an unsophisticated employee being asked to sign away his rights via an onerous and non-negotiable contract with a big company, or of a consumer being forced to sign a 100-page, 10-point font agreement in order to obtain needed services. This is a case of a startup video game streaming service provider trying to sign on a top player in that field by offering an attractive and negotiable opportunity for him to make money through his gameplay, which Varga happily accepted to the tune of nearly $600,000. And again, you think about when he came over from Owned, that's like... Big fucking money, dude. Like $600,000 at that time is, is insane for a streaming contract. And it's not just any old Corona, guys. It's Corona Premier. It's Corona for fatties. Fatty Corona. Right? It's got no carbs in it. Well, it has got carbs in it. But not many. Not that it matters, because I'll, I'll probably smash you off a bottle of whiskey as well. So, anyway. Uh, to evaluate procedural unconscionability, the court must consider in which the contract was ne- uh, the manner in which the contract was negotiated, and the circumstances circumstances of the parties at the time, focusing on the factors of oppression, meaning lack of choice, and surprise, meaning hidden terms within the contract. To prove procedural conscionability, Twitch will introduce the evidence that shows, one, it provided Varga ample opportunity to review and negotiate the terms of the contract, but Varga chose not to do so. And two, when he signed on to stream content on Twitch, Varga was an experienced, a major player in the nascent online gaming content world, and Twitch was a new startup run by young entrepreneurs similarly trying to navigate this new phenomenon, putting the parties on relatively equal footing. And three, Vargas' supposed feelings of urgency to sign the contract are based on nothing more than a vibe he now claims to have felt when presented with the opportunity to stream on Twitch, not on any concrete evidence in this case. Four, Twitch's content license agreements are negotiable, and Twitch was willing to negotiate its terms with Vargas. Had Vargas uh, had Varga asked any questions, sorry, I've been calling him Vargas, I don't know where I've got that from, I've been watching a movie, it's one of the characters from 12 Angry Men, I think right okay uh five there were alternative methods by which varga could have distributed his gaming activity online aside from twitch's services and six the limitation of liability provision is easily noticeable in all caps and contained in a brief seven page agreement so um we can get down to the specifics of the limited liability clause here this is it fifty thousand dollars So it's like I told you at the start when we were introducing the stream. The discussion on the 13th and 14th in this open court is going to be whether or not uh, in the discussion as to how much compensation he may receive, if the court rules in his favor, whether it can be an open and capped amount commensurate to um, his losses and that was what was named in previous documents. He's saying all the months he hasn't been streaming on Twitch, he's lost his subs, so he wants he wants his average monthly subscriber fee. They've calculated that. You know, the money he would make per day plus his retainer. So they're going after a pretty sizable settlement here. This limitation of liability clause says, look, even if the court rule's in your favor, $50,000 is all you're going to get out of Twitch. And uh, again, personal feelings uh, aside... Um, My understanding is, from having read up on this, um, the the, the limitation of liability clauses, even in California, which is a very worker-friendly state, as we've said many, many times over, um, there's not many times that... um, To to, to have a limitation of liability clause get overturned and be deemed unconscionable in some way, it has to be buried in a contract, or it has to be so disproportionately unfair. There's a couple of instances i think they even cite some of the instances i read about in in phantom lord's case uh in his version of this argument um jesus rich hasn't had a beer fast speech yeah listen i'm pretty sharp when i when i you know what i like to do is because I'm, I'm so high functioning right and i've got all these like thoughts zipping around my head i sort of have to drink just to bring my like, down that like down itself like 10 percent, right like otherwise it's just too much it's just too much genius going on there it's like being a beautiful mind you know it's like you're not even a real. Got to take the booze and just fucking bring me back down That's to right, everyone man. else's level and, and Smile, deal with it. Yeah, massive five ed That's what I'm about. Mm. <clears throat> right. Statement you're of fact. Not even a real journalism. That's right. So um, here, here are the arguments why Twitch say fifty thousand dollars should be the absolute limit. And you you're know what? Even There's a even journalism. a chance. That Twitch just go, listen, you know what, mate? Now, if this argument is ruled in their favor, $50,000, they might just go, there you go, James. There's your $50,000. Let's settle it out of court. That's the most you can get. We'll give it to you. Never speak of us again. You're never coming back to this platform again. I think $50,000 to get a pain in your ass away and just fucking end all... I mean, they're probably paying that in, like, legal retainers fees a day because these people who represent Twitch are on a retainer. So who gives a fuck, you know? Um... Anyway, in or right so the the statement of facts. St- fact A in the argument for Twitch. James Varga and his choice to stream on Twitch. In or around 2011, both Varga and Twitch began live streaming video gameplay content over the internet. For his part. Vargas started streaming himself, playing the video game League of Legends on owned TV, a platform for players and viewers to stream and watch live video games on the internet as his full-time occupation. Now, they even have transcripts, uh, which are in the exhibits. Um, Transcripts of conversations for the contract. Transcripts he had back with staff, again, in the form of um, uh, logs. So, um, a lot of this argumentation is backed up by... Um, Phantom Lord's own words. I'm not going to refer to each of the transcripts, but when you see this here and it goes Varga Trans 35, 22 to 38, 14, these are basically like uh, logs and chats where what he says substantiates what is claimed in this document. Um, So uh, he quickly became one of the most popular. Oh, thanks for the uh, gifted subs. Sorry, Mike, I didn't even see that. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, So anyway, he quickly became one of the most popular streamers on OWNED, that's absolutely true. He built up a well-known brand using the alias Phantom Lord when streaming his League of Legends gameplay, attracting between 500 and 5,000 viewers at any given time. Uh, During this period, video game streaming was in its infancy, but Varga became successful early on by monetizing his live streaming and earning revenue when viewers on OWNED clicked on ads on his page. In 2012, just a few months after Twitch's launch in the summer of 2011, that's when they moved from being just in TV, owned was experiencing financial difficulties, leading Varga to consider switching over to Twitch. Uh, Twitch provides services for video game players to stream and view broadcasts of gaming related content as part of a social interactive community. Twitch was a small and brand new startup when Varga joined in 2012, but it provided streamers with an attractive opportunity through sharing revenues from user subscriptions and advertising. Uh, on or around uh, November fourteenth, 2012, Varga communicated with Stuart Saw. That's Tossbot. That is the commentator. Um, again, for those of you who don't know, uh, I can't remember his exact position, but um, there was a period of time where if you, you just got hired, you know what I mean? You just got hired for Twitch. If you worked in esports and or gaming, esports in particular, Twitch just hired you. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions. They never they never wanted to hire me um i i think i think i was deemed a bit of a controversial personality but in general if you were talented had some uh tenure in the industry they'd find something for you to do at twitch you could go and get a job at twitch immediately like it was like they hired everybody it's what it, it's what i mean when i talk about the changes in twitch now it's like back in the day you had two good you had tosspot my boy trance you know, like, obviously, Opie, who's named in here as well, like, DJ Wheats over there, like, you fucking, you, you know, like, I knew all of these people, I've been around these people for years, Smicks is over there, Fifth Laurens over, you know, it was in, like, there's just a list, I'm, I'm missing loads of fucking OGs out, people who've been around it for a while, they were basically all just fucking hired, and, and that was that, and, you know, they just found something for you to do, because it was like, yay, this is it, this is the real shit, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. That's a good way of putting it, uh, goodbye. Uh, you know, you had people who knew games, knew the communities, new streams, new trends, and now it's all changing. All those people are moving on to bigger and better things, and Twitch is kind of left with a bunch of people who, honestly, I think, don't have the same level of experience or knowledge. Now, that isn't to say Twitch didn't overhire, and it wasn't bloated and they weren't wasting money, but the people that are leaving are irreplaceable in my eyes. Um... So anyway, uh, yes, so they have... uh Phantom Lord communicated with Stuart Sort and Jason Opie Babo, former owned employees who had worked with Varga while there but had since been hired by Twitch and were are trying to get him to move over to Twitch. Sort and Babo made a compelling case to Varga, offering him front page exposure on Twitch's website, a one-time bonus of nearly $8,000, a sum which was owed to Varga by owned. And if you ever wanted to know, by the way, just how good Twitch was back in the day, it wasn't just Phantom Lord that got this offer. A lot of people who got fucked over by owned twitch went to them and said hey if you sign with us not only will we give you a killer contract we'll settle owns debt as you're signing on fee that's how cool fucking twitch used to be so this is this was this was normal back then um he also would get 70 percent of the revenue from each person who subscribed to his channel 70 percent on the subs was was a big deal. I mean, that's still one of the premium tiers. There are people out there who get 100% of the sub money, but it's still one of the, 70% is like one of the premium tiers because everyone gets 50. So to give you a little bit of an inducement, if you're worth it to Twitch, they give you 70% of the sub rev. And then you have a $5 CPM rate for advertising, which is cost per mill, milli, uh, meaning the average amount in earned for every 1000 monetized views on his videos. $5 CPMs pretty fucking good. Um, You know, it's good now. It was good then. Um, Especially for someone as popular as him. Uh, Timely Payments... And a more stable streaming connection. And again, for those that don't know what Jason Opie Babo used to do, Jason was more of a tech guy. Jason, and again, my understanding from just having knowledge of this because I was around at that time was one of the things Jason was doing when he was working at Twitch. They would they would actually help you get a like more stable streaming connection. You know, uh, make improvements. You know, they they'd give you tech support because they just wanted you to have like no issues. You again, it's like it's unrecognizable to what Twitch is now. It's unrecognizable. Anyway, Varga was excited about the deal and consulted his brother, Nick Varga. uh, In a lengthy email to his brother summarizing his conversation with Tosspot and and Op. Varga repeated these offer terms without ever mentioning he felt rushed or pressured to make the move. Uh, Indeed, Varga told his brother that Twitch sounds pretty good and was a better home for him and his streaming career and his chat and his fans. And again, this is transcribed in that conversation with his brother, which I, I guess they've been able to get these logs um, under uh, request for discovery and uh, pr- preservation rules. There's a thing where they, uh, if you're ever gonna have to debate wh- whether or not you said something factually in private communication, um, this this comes up in defamation law quite a bit. They can request that you preserve any, um, any communications from that time to present uh, to the court, which I imagine what's happened here um despite his success on owned and the availability of other competitor platforms for varga to explore including youtube africa and nico nico um varga opted for twitch because of owned 3d's financial troubles the attractive deal twitch had offered uh, he had bills to pay and wanted to secure his career in quotes and the fact that twitch had cool new features more viewers and more staff. i i don't even remember nico nico does anyone remember nico nico like, I literally don't remember that. I remember Africa, but I don't remember Nico Nico. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. I didn't even know they existed. No one, knows. yeah. Is it Japanese? All right. There, see, that's why you fucking weebs. You're all here. Oh, no, Nico Nico. Crunchyroll. Anime head tie. Tentacles. Like, brilliant. Glad you're here, guys. Thanks for, for, thanks for enlightening me. Fucking weebs. All right. Um,. After speaking with Twitch, but before receiving Twitch's content provider agreement, called the Content License and Base Network Agreement, which from here on out will be known as The Agreement, Varga had time to conduct research about Twitch, its interface and structure, and his ability to port his audience to Twitch, review his records, calculate the amount of money that owned, owed him, which Twitch would pay Varga as part of The Agreement, and have a conversation with John Howell, who was then on Twitch's Strategic Partnerships team and is now Vice President of Global Partnerships. And then the second part of this is, this is the agreement. Although Varga spent three days researching Twitch and speaking to Twitch employees and his brother about the opportunity, when Twitch finally sent Varga the draft agreement, uh, Varga signed it quickly (laughs) without taking the time to read or review any part of it, including, apparently, his own representation and warranty that his content would comply with all applicable laws, rules, and regulations. That is a great little burn. That is a very subtle legal burn because what they're saying is because he didn't read the contract, that's why he kept breaking all of the rules on Twitch. It's got to be because otherwise he wouldn't have broke the rules. See? Smart. That's what real lawyers do. Um... Twitch sent Varga the agreement at 3.35am, coordinated universal time, uh, via HelloSign, an electronic document signature program. Uh, Varga viewed the agreement at 3.42am and signed it in less, less than 30 minutes later. So he literally took 30 minutes to sign a document with no pressure whatsoever from Twitch. The terms of the agreement were very favorable to Varga. Uh, we, they repeat uh, again what he would get the deal was better than what most streamers received the usual no worries, cheers Drooby. The deal was better than what most streamers received because the usual sub revenue split is fifty percent. Very few streamers at that time got seventy percent. Most streamers received a variable CPM rate as opposed to a flat rate. I mean, that's another thing I should have mentioned. Flat rate CPMS are always better because you know, obviously, depend. It does, you your CPM is sort of dictated to by what the advertising they get at their end. So if Twitch are having a bad time of it. Everyone's CPM can goes goes down. If there's a recession, CPM goes down. If you're locked in a contract with a flat CPM, you get that CPM, 100%. So flat rate CPM is always uh, really, really good. Um, so we, uh, most streams received variable CPM as opposed to flat rate, and assigning sponsorship bonus was also unusual at that time. In fact, Twitch lost money on its deal with Phantom Lord because of the open-ended earning potential he had with the flat CPM rate. The agreement also included a limitation of liability provision, which is in all caps and labeled limitation of liability within a section titled indemnity limitations of liability. The provision appears appears as follows. And you can see it is literally in all fucking caps. It's in all caps in the contract. right? So it's like, you know, if you skim read a contract, guys, and they've put something in all caps, probably read that bit. Just if you're not going to read everything, do read that bit. Probably just a bit of advice for everybody out there because, you know, that's how I roll. I like people to learn from the stream. I like people to learn a little bit about life and everything that's going on. Probably should have, probably should read the stuff in capital letters, just in general as a rule, actually. Except for a party's obligations under the section indemnity or a breach by a party of its obligations under section six confidentiality, neither party. So it goes both ways. She'll be liable to the other party for lost revenue, lost profits, not that band with the sick cunt, lost profits, lost business, or indirect, incidental, consequential, special or exemplary damages, even if that party has been advised of the possibility of such damages, or B, under any theory of liability, an aggregate amount exceeding fifty thousand U.S. dollars. That's every circumstance covered in the clause. Every circumstance, right? It is. It is literally. We we can't get fifty thousand dollars out of you either. By the way, that's what they're saying there. That it, it, we can't. If we if it goes sour. 50,000 damages. Because, I mean, you know, understand that Twitch have an argument that, you know, Phantom Lord maybe damaged their reputation. Maybe maybe they lost, you know, maybe they could make an argument that they lost money. But because of this limitation of liability clause, well, you know, they can't get damages from him either. Not beyond 50,000. Um, anyway, and, and, and it explicitly says that there. This provision applies mutually to both Twitch and Varga. Although three days passed between Varga's initial call with Sort and Babo and his r- r- receipt of the agreement, he did not ask any questions about or try to negotiate any terms of the agreement. Indeed he had no questions at all. For example, Varga did not at any point talk, uh, sorry not at any point ask Twitch how long he had to sign the agreement or tell them he needed any additional time uh, or even say he needed to run it by a lawyer nor did he ask any questions about the financial terms or the indemnity provision before entering into the agreement. He didn't even verify that they were what he had discussed with Toshpot and Opie. Although Varga chose not to negotiate the terms, the terms of the agreement were, in fact, negotiable. Twitch regularly negotiated terms with its content providers, including financial and legal terms. The limitation of liability provision was no exception. It, too, was negotiable. Moreover, as noted above, Varga did negotiate with Twitch for a favorable subscription rate and a one-time bonus for the outstanding amount owed owned, owed him. So, what they're demonstrating there is that the uh, if he had any problems with the liability clause at all, he obviously felt comfortable enough negotiating a signing on fee. He obviously felt comfortable enough negotiating a higher rate on the subs. So why didn't he bring up the liability clause? So that's, again, that's what they're presenting there. Varga admitted in his deposition That's what the transcripts are for actually Sorry, I just realised he was deposed These are all deposition transcripts Varga admitted in his deposition that Twitch never told him via any medium It was necessary to expedite signing the agreement In fact, Varga had to follow up and ask Twitch to send him the agreement Three days after his telephone call with Babo and Saw Moreover, Twitch did not sign the agreement until December 11th, 2012 Showing no urgency from Twitch to have the agreement executed During the nearly month-long period it took Twitch to countersign Varga never asked any questions or raised any issues regarding the agreement now we get to the 2014 amendment on April 2nd 2014 Twitch sent Varga an amendment renewing the agreement this is when they re-upped and and renewed his contract and changed components of it Varga did not execute the amendment until 22 days later on April 24th he opened the amendment because again they timed this. so when you get sent um, DocuSign Right, one of the reasons why DocuSign is like increasingly used is they can see the time you received the document, the time you opened the document, looked at it, and the time you signed it. And this is again, this is you know, digital, so it's like it's just there. You can't really argue it one way or the other. So, um, so they know exactly how much time you took to think about things. You know, it just they just got you right. Um, On April 24th, he opened the amendment at 10.04 a.m. UTC and signed it a couple of seconds later at 10.05 a.m. Although Varga claims he did not see the amendment during these 22 days, the record is clear that no one at Twitch contacted him during that period and asked him to sign it. So, just, yep, sign that, (laughs) dink. Uh, We've got digital proof that you you took less than a minute to sign it. Um, Make of that what you will. By 2014 Twitch had modified its fee structure adopting a model with variable CPM rates for different countries However, Twitch allowed Varga to maintain a flat non-variable rate of $5 CPM because he had gained immense success And became top talent with a large viewership Which meant that the original term was more beneficial for him and resulted in open-ended earning potential for Varga Just as with the agreement, uh, the initial one, Varga did not ask for any other specific term modifications And did not request more time to review or sign the amendment While at Twitch... Varga became one of Twitch's most popular streamers and highest earning partners, even doing an event in Berlin for ESGN TV and gaining lots of sponsorship deals. Uh, Lots is in uh, quotes from from, uh, the Varga deposition. Hello? Yep, quiet. Uh, Varga formed his own corporation to manage his sponsorship deals and income. He invested some of this income on his own, including in companies like CSGO Shuffle, the gambling website he promoted on his Twitch channel. Varga did not consider leaving Twitch at any time. By his own admission, since Twitch terminated Varga's account, he has continued to stream and post videos of his gameplay on YouTube, gaining rev- revenue from his approximately 400,000 subscribers slash fan base. Uh, now we get to the argument. Now I'm going to skip over lots of this because it's case citations. Um, so this initial part here is um, according to this case and this case and this case. This is why. So I won't bore you with that because that'll drag the stream out, because then we'll have to go into the case law and talk what it's about and, and everything else. But basically, it just says here in the last paragraph of the cases, the agreement is neither procedurally nor substantively unconscionable. Varga had an opportunity to review and negotiate the terms of the agreement, which he didn't, cho- whether he or not he chose to do so, and we can see that he didn't. Uh, indeed, Twitch regularly negotiated agreements with its content providers. So we know that there's precedent there that they did that. And Varga was an experienced player in the industry, fully capable of negotiating a contract because we know he negotiated certain terms of the contract. And uh, it also then says Varga had an opportunity to stream his gaming activity on other platforms. It was not He was not forced into a take it or leave it agreement with Twitch. Moreover, the terms of the agreement were more favorable to Varga than Twitch, and the limitation of liability provision applies mutually to protect both parties. So, uh, if we um, scroll down here, we'll get to the uh, summary, because, again, this is just more um, case law. Um, And you can see here, what they do is they present that, you know, it wasn't oppressive as outlined by these cases, so it's not defined as oppressive under law. Um, He had the opportunity to review the contract and chose not to. Here's some cases where we talk about the importance of that. And um, it even shows here, actually, um, if we just move down um, If Fargo had bothered to ask He would have learned that the contract was negotiable There was no pressure to sign it immediately Without an opportunity for review, review As Howell has explained Twitch used a relatively standard form agreement As a starting point for negotiations With any new partners But in general our agreements were fairly negotiable At that time um, We send an agreement to somebody They are free to communicate any changes that they would like And then we will make a business decision Whether or not to accept those uh, you know, uh, changes. For example, Twitch negotiated financial terms, terms of the agreement, and other terms with other content providers at this time. it's got a little bit of uh, dialogue here that I think's worth throwing in. As explained above, Varga not only had the opportunity to accept, reject, or modify the terms; he did, in fact, negotiate certain ones. Howell confirmed specific terms of the agreement that Varga had negotiated. So the question: okay, and in this conversation, Varga is asking you if you can include a payment of roughly eight thousand or seven thousand nine hundred ninety or seven thousand nine hundred ninety and thirty cents, right? Howell says, "Uh huh," and you agreed to that. And Howell says, "Yes, I told him to discuss it with Stewart, who I had known that he had been negotiating his agreement with." And then he says, "Okay." And how do you know he was negotiating this agreement with Stewart? Because it was relatively common amongst our group who was managing the negotiate, uh, who was managing the negotiation of contracts. So they're saying that you know, listen, he negotiated the money; he didn't negotiate this clause. It can't be um, procedurally unconscionable on that basis. Uh, then, and this is what they say as well: that the parties don't have substantially an equal bargaining power because of where they were positioned in the industry at that time. Uh, they go on to say that uh, Varga had reasonably available alternatives for streaming um, because there was other platforms available to him. Indeed, he could have stayed on, owned, and, and hoped that they were going to pay him the money and not go bust. He didn't have to leave. Uh, The agreement presents no surprises, and again, this is all case law, this is why we're all skipping through this. There was no surprises in it, nothing unreasonable, no hidden clauses. Indeed, the clause was there in block capitals. He can't argue he didn't see the clause or understand the clause. And then, again, crucially, it says here, the limitation of liability applies to both parties, so it is not designed to fuck over one component uh, of, of the contractual agreement. It applies to both of us. We could just as easily have lost out on it, and we put the clause in, there so um i'll uh yeah let me let me just read you this because i think this is interesting uh the contract terms are even-handed not one-sided Twitch provides free services, both to content providers like Varga and users to stream and view content, with some content available on a subscription basis, and giving partners an opportunity to earn revenue from subscriptions and ad views. Like YouTube, Twitch has a valid commercial need to limit liability for actions taken to regulate its platform, the exact basis of this lawsuit, which stems from Twitch terminating Varga after a series of inappropriate streams culminating in a scheme to harm Twitch users. Twitch should not be subject to unlimited liability for its action to protect its user community. Unlike YouTube, however, the limitation of liability provision here is less one-sided because it applies mutually to both parties and does not limit all damages but rather caps them. In fact, all the relevant terms of the agreement apply mutually to both parties, uh, which includes the limitation of liability, the indemnity and confidentiality clauses, except the financial terms which benefit Varga more than Twitch. Varga does not And cannot contend that the indemnification or confidentiality provisions have been enforced in a one-sided manner by Twitch against him. Howell testified that the only confidential information he recalls Twitch giving to Varga was the agreement itself. So, there we go. That's it all signed. That's their argument, right? And again, going on my understanding of contract law going on my understanding of having covered this case since the start, going over my understanding of um, some of the cases that are cited in here that I kind of read earlier today while processing Epstein, um, was, you know, I, I cannot, I personally cannot, no bias, all bias aside, I cannot see how there can be any argument that this clause shouldn't be upheld. I I literally cannot. There are some clauses that are really unfair. This isn't one of them. It can't be deemed unfair because it protects both parties simultaneously. It's not just something that's like overzealously one-sided. Like, for example, in it, when I talked about the LCS agreement, the limitation of damages uh, in an LCS contract, like using that example again, you get killed while you're streaming by their negligence. Uh, you get killed while competing, rather, for their negligence in LCS, um, and you're limited to how much money you can claim. Riot don't have any limitations on how much they can fuck you over for in, in the contract. They can claim unlimited damages if they can prove it at court. So that's that's an example of a one-sided and, in my opinion, unfair um, clause that wouldn't even make it unconscionable, frankly. Um, so... Um, it, it seems it seems to me that um I cannot think of any reason why this clause in this contract wouldn't be um upheld i I, I just can't it, it just seems like it was there it was in your contract you um clearly had ample opportunity to read the contract there's no evidence of twitch pressuring you um it, it it's it, it's not a surprise it it's it affects both of you like i i just can't like there's no i cannot see an argument for it but that doesn't stop phantom lord's lawyers uh trying to present an argument because of course obviously they would so i'll just bring that up for you now and their argument uh the language is a little bit more emotive right like it's um there was some other weird stuff in in the documents which which i can show you which i don't know enough about whether or not this is significant but the, the there were there were some changes. It seemed to the status of um of uh Phantom Lord's attorneys. So if you go down here, uh, it says um, attorney Matthew W. May inactivated for failure to pay pro pro Hassie vice renewal fee. Now when you when you um again fucking i think when you do something pro hasi in uh in 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 a legal document it means like one time only right like it means we're doing it just this once and that's weird because in the documents now it says um that they're doing it uh, they're only representing him once at this time which is like so, the clarification there. I don't know. I don't know how significant it is because I don't know enough about this particular process. Because obviously I, I'm not a lawyer, um, so I don't know about like what happens before it. But it, it sort of, it sort of that that was different. It wasn't listed as that on previous documents. So I don't know if that's just to clarify that it's it, it, they're not on a retainer basis, or if that's to clarify. Um, actually, we're only coming to represent this argument now because our money, you know, the money's dried up. You know, it could mean that, right? So I, I, I don't know. I, I need to talk to a somebody that's actually done these, um, kind of, kind of things. Actually, argued in court, you know, about what kind of fees you need to pay and, and, and what that pro, pro has, hasy vice thing means. Anyway, this is the Phantom Lord legal team argument. So this is from uh, the Quinlan Law Firm that have been representing him from the start. Uh, and you can see quite clearly uh, their argument is the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable unenforceable because it's unconscionable. And remember it has to be both. It has to be uh, it has to be procedurally and substantively um, unconscionable. So now we get their side of things. All right, in November 2012 Aga was young, inexperienced and struggling to make a career in the still nascent live streaming industry. Twitch Interactive Incorporated was, by contrast, a sophisticated company on the rise, backed by venture capital investors and outside counsel. Twitch used its advantages over Varga to incorporate one-sided provisions favorable to itself into a content license and base network agreement that the parties ultimately signed in 2012 and the amendment to the content license and base network that the parties signed in 2014. In particular, unbeknownst to Varga, Twitch on page ten of seventeen in the agreement, Twitch had buried a provision entitled "Limitation of Liability." <laughs> now again, guys, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh, I shouldn't laugh, I shouldn't laugh. We've got to be fair and unbiased. I shouldn't laugh, shouldn't laugh. Um, I'm just saying, we saw the clause and it was in block capitals, okay, so I, you know, they, future advice, future advice, if you want to bury something in a document, don't use, um, if you ever need to, don't, um, don't, don't use all capitals, because, um, as you may or may not know on the internet, uh, all caps makes things stand out, um, not, not, they should have used, you know, I recommend font size six, honestly, it's fucking really hard to read, um, but just saying uh, you're not even a real journalism that's right so they buried <laughs> yeah love l- l- you too hank w uh so they buried it, guys. They buried uh, the provision entitled Limitational Liability, which, while purportedly serving to limit the liability of both parties equally, in fact served to almost totally deprive Varga of any remedies he may have had against Twitch while leaving Twitch's potential remedies against Varga essentially unaffected. All right? Four years later, Twitch improperly Suspended Varga's account, breaching the agreements, committing intentional and negligent misrepresentation, and violating the prohibition on unfair business practices set forth in Section 17.200 of the Business and Professions Code. After Varga filed the present lawsuit seeking damages that resulted from Twitch's improper actions, Twitch filed its answer, asserting that the damages sought by Varga exceeded those permitted by the limitation of liability provision. If Twitch's argument is successful, Varga will be barred from recovering all but a fraction of the damages he has suffered as a result of Twitch's actions. Recognizing the importance of this issue, the court has set a trial for August 13th and 14th, 2019 to determine whether the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable and requested the present opening trial brief prior to the trial. As is set forth below, the evidence that Varga will present at this trial, as well as the terms of the agreements themselves, demonstrates that the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable for at least three reasons. First, the provisions of the limitation of liability provisions are unconscionable. Second, the application of the limitation of liability provision to the claims of Varga's complaint would be against public policy. And finally, the limitation of liability provision contains an unreasonably liquidated damages provision. Although the evidence that will be presented at trial will demonstrate that the court can and should declare the limitation of liability provisions unenforceable for each of these three reasons, the presence of even one of these conditions real is sufficient grounds for the court That's to right. declare the provisions unenforceable. And the conclusion of the trial, the court should therefore declare that the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable as against Varga. right let's get the sob story going guys now remember we can all have a chuckle but if you were in this situation this is exactly what you'd want your lawyers to do right so just putting that out there the agreement the fabled agreement was signed in November 12 at that time Varga was a 22 year old attending college part time and living at home with his parents His professional experience was limited to working at the electronic retailer Best Buy, and he had no legal experience whatsoever, never having had reason to hire a lawyer. At that time, Varga was also performing live broadcasting of video game related content, or live streaming, as it was called, on a website called Owned. Owned was at this time struggling financially and having difficulty paying its content providers, including Varga, in particular, Owned owed Varga $7,990.30 for streaming he had performed, an amount which caused Varga significant financial distress and meant he was having difficulty paying his college tuition. Varga was also aware, based on statements in social media, that other top content providers were unhappy at Owned and were considering leaving. During this same period, Twitch was Own's only competitor in the market for live streaming, but its trajectory was heading in a completely different direction. By 2012, Twitch had already signed 300 to 500 partnership agreements with content providers such as Varga, and its business was expanding significantly. Twitch was backed by sophisticated investors, receiving its initial funding through Y Combinator and subsequent rounds of investment through the venture capital firms, AllSop, Louie Partners, and Bessement Venture Partners. Twitch was also supported by the large law firm Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati as their outside counsel. At this time, Twitch was seeking to expand its role in the streaming market, and as part of this effort, sent out multiple teams of recruiters to target content providers from OWNED and other places. As part of these recruitment efforts, on November 14, 2012, Twitch had two former OWNED employees, Jason Opie Babbo and Stuart Saw, contact Varga. During the entire time he was streaming at OWNED, Varga's main point of contact with OWNED was Babbo, who served as what OWNED called Varga's manager at the company. Varga communicated regularly with Babbo, whom he trusted and respected, based on their experiences together. Indeed, based on their interactions together, Varga believed that he had a close relationship with Babbo, and that Babbo would take care of Varga and hold his best interests at heart. Stuart had been Babo's supervisor at Owned, and at the time he contacted Varga, who was leading the recruitment of five to ten other owned content providers to work for Twitch. At some point on or prior to November 2012, Twitch had hired Babo and Saw to serve as recruiters to bring content providers to Twitch. And at the time of the November 14, 2012 call, however, Varga was unaware of this and believed that Babo and Saw were, like Varga, still employed by Owned. Hmm. Babo and Saw appear to have attempted to perpetuate this mistaken belief, telling Varga that then they were only planning to leave Owned and join Twitch. As part of their pitch to Varga, Babo and Saw set out a number of positive aspects to the deal Varga would receive from Twitch. As part of their pitch to Varga, Babo and and Saw... Thanks for the donation. Uh, Varga, Varga, Babo, and Saw set out a number of positive aspects of the deal Varga would receive from Twitch. In particular, Babo and Saw told Varga that Twitch would offer Varga more stable infrastructure than owned, more exposure on its front webpage, and offer that turned out to be untrue. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue these points. I'm not here to argue the points. Um, I don't know how that could be untrue, though. Because <laughs> um, didn't we just establish that Twitch was on an upward trajectory early, earlier in? in in this document so so how could they give you less exposure than than owned i i should not like i don't know i that seems kind of inconsistent but whatever um and three more pay than owned babo and saw also told varga that twitch would pay the seven thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars and thirty cents that he was still owed by owned and was causing him financial distress babo and saw did not indicate that any of these terms were open for negotiations and based on their tenor Varga believed it to be a take-it-or-leave-it offer from Twitch. Nor did Babo or Saw mention the limitation of liability provision or any other provisions of the agreement other than what Varga would be paid. Babo and Saw did, however, instruct Varga to get in contact with John Howell, another employee of Twitch, and request that the $7,990.30 payment be added to the contract he signed with Twitch as part of their follow-up conversation. Babo and Saw also made it clear that Varga needed to act fast because Owned was falling apart and a number of other prominent content providers were moving to Twitch along with Babo and Saw. Babo also told Varga something along the lines of that Varga needed to close right away or as soon as possible. And that's taken from Phantom Lord's deposition. After his conversation with Soren Babbo, the only other person with whom Varga discussed the possibility of moving to Twitch was his brother Nick, to whom he sent an email after the call summarising what they had said. His brother's only response during a subsequent conversation was that the offer looks cool. Quotes. After the call with Varga on November 14, 2014, Saw called and sent an email to Babo's supervisor at Twitch, John Howell, stating that Varga and several other own employees whom Saw had been recruiting at the time were ready to go. Howell interpreted this to mean that Varga was ready to sign with Twitch and instructed Twitch's outside counsel to draft the agreement, which had not been prepared prior to the phone call with Varga. Also on November 14, 2012, Howell sent Varga an email saying he was super excited to have you on board, what a monster, and requesting that Varga create an account with Twitch and send Howell certain contact information. Varga responded later that day with the contact information, and Howell responded by telling Varga that Twitch was in the process of creating your partner agreement and would be sent to Varga ASAP. On November 17th, at approximately 7.30 specific time, Varga and Howell held a text conversation via Skype messenger, during which Varga stated he was ready to join Twitch. They've actually... I mean, they've got that wrong. Because it says here November 17th, 2019. That's a bit of a big glaring error in your... uh, in your document because it should be 2012 so that's a mistake guys you should probably get people to proofread these things um, during which Varga stated he was ready to join twitch as babo and sword instructed him to do uh, varga raised to Howell the possibility of being paid the seven thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars and thirty cents he was owned from his time it owned uh, to which howell responded that's doable during this conversation Uh, Other than raising this payment, Varga did not attempt to negotiate any terms of the agreement because he understood, based on his conversation with Babo, and saw that the offer was take it or leave it, and thus non-negotiable. Again, I don't see any substantive evidence as to why that would be the case. Uh and two, there was a sense of urgency to getting it signed. That that's a much more sensible argument. Uh like Babo and Saw, Howell did not raise the limitation of liability provision or any of the provisions of the agreement other than the seven thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars and thirty cents. Nor did Howell urge Varga to discuss the terms of the agreement with an attorney before signing. i d I don't know are you not obligated to do that. Is my understanding if I give you a contract, is i I don't have to say as I give it to you, go get a lawyer. I don't have to say that I'm pretty sure. Um or offer Varga time to retain an attorney to review and negotiate the agreement on his behalf. Indeed, Varga had not even been presented with the agreement at this time. Roughly an hour after this conversation with Howell, Twitch sent the agreement to Varga via the HelloSign electronic contract program. 30 minutes later, Varga signed the document uh, electronically using HelloSign. Howell signed the agreement on Twitch's behalf a month later on December 11th, uh, because he trusted Babo and saw Varga did not review the agreement before signing it, nor did he speak with an attorney or anyone else regarding the agreement. Indeed, after receiving the agreement, Varga simply hit the next button in the HelloSign uh, system program, which transported him directly to the signature page of the agreement, which he then signed automatically. Nothing in the HelloSign system program provided Varga to... Uh, required Varga to the... What? Nothing in the Hello Science System Program required Varga to in- oh to initial the limitation of liability provision or otherwise ensure he had reviewed it or any of the provision in the agreement. Like I don't know, guys, this feels pretty fucking thin to me. Um, because I've never had a document where I have to initial every clause in it. I've signed a lot of documents. I've signed some documents with some pretty heavy-hitting clauses in it. You know, image rights, for example. Like, you know, I've talked about this a lot. When I was at E-League, I had to sign away my image rights because they need to put me in commercials for the TV program. So they need my image rights. Um, so obviously I review that because I don't want them putting my fucking face on, like, you know, something that I don't approve of. So, um, but, I, but at no point did it say initial all the clauses in the contract that you know because that it's like you the you sign at the end and say uh, and it usually says i have read and understood the the contract in full and that's what you're signing so uh, you know this feels pretty fucking thin especially as you're trying to invoke hello sign you're saying well hello sign never told me to do it yeah well it's fucking hello sign just gets you through the document as quickly as you can it's convenient Hello sign's not going to be like, are you sure you want to sign this? Have you talked to a lawyer? Do you want to put some initials here? Like, obviously it's fucking not going to do that, is it? So pretty, pretty fucking crazy uh, to put that in there. But again, I shouldn't be breaking this down. It's non-biased. My opinion, my opinion's irrelevant, right? That's right. My opinion is irrelevant. Give me Uh,
1: Richard and a cough any morning.
0: Yes. And a cough. I'll give you a cough, mate. Give you the fucking plague. Just uh, for the donation. Uh, Sub. So nothing in the Hello Science system provided Vargas to, to initial the limitation of liability clause or otherwise ensure he'd reviewed it or any other provision in the agreement. For example, the Hello Science system program did not require him to scroll through the entirety of the agreement before signing it, nor did it have a mechanism uh, that confirmed or made sure he had read the entirety of the agreement before signing. So, surely that's Hello Science problem. <laughs> surely, like, maybe, maybe a secondary lawsuit against them. That, might be an idea. The agreement was one of hundreds of similar documents prepared by Twitch for content providers around this time. The agreement was based on a generic boilerplate contract to be used for content providers which had been prepared and maintained by Twitch's outside legal counsel. The only changes made from this boilerplate contract to the agreement with Varga with a higher than average revenue babo and saw it offered Varga and the 7990 dollars and thirty cents one-time payment. Other than those changes and the inclusion of Varga's contact information, the agreement was identical to the boilerplate contract prepared by Twitch's outside counsel. The agreement that Varga signed is 17 pages long, including six pages of exhibits at its end. The signature page, which is the only page Varga actually viewed prior to the agreement, and lists the effective date of the agreement, the term of the agreement, and the length of the agreement. It's on page 3. Um, (laughs) The signature page also states That the license content involved in the agreement Could be found in Exhibit A of the agreement And the fee schedule of the agreement could be found in Exhibit B Other than these items The signature page does not contain any reference To any substantive provisions of the agreement Including the limitation of Liability provision The terms by which Vargo was to be paid by Twitch were set forth in Exhibit B Essentially Vargo was to be paid a share of the revenue Twitch received from two sources Gross advertising revenue and gross subscription revenue Exhibit B defined gross advertising revenue as revenues actually received by Twitch TV for the display or broadcast of any advertising in connection with the licensed content, less any chargebacks or fraudulent transactions which require a refund of revenues previously received. Varga's share of the gross advertising revenues received by Twitch would amount to $5 per 1,000 delivered ad impressions shown against uh, content providers' content. Exhibit B defined gross subscription revenues as the total revenues actually received by Twitch TV from viewers and end users who purchase subscription services, less any chargebacks or fraudulent transactions which require a refund of revenue previously received. These gross subscription revenues would be split 70 30 between the parties, with 70 going to Phantom Lord. Additionally, Exhibit B stated that Varga would be paid the $7,990 and now 39 cents, uh, not 30. Another you know, typo there. He was owed from his time at Owned within 30 days of the execution of the agreement. It lists the liability clause that we've already read. Um and here we go. This remember, this is the buried clause. This is the buried clause, right? Other than the use of capital letters. <laughs> other than making it bigger than every other clause in the contract. It was buried, guys. Other than the use of capital letters, which are also used in one other other provision in the agreement, a disclaimer of warranties in section 7.4 of the agreement, the limitation of liability provision is not highlighted, bolded, or in any way differentiated from the other provisions of the agreement. Again, Varga was not required to initial the limitation of liability provision before signing the agreement. The indemnity section which the limitation of liability provision explicitly excludes from its limitations, refers to sections 8.1 and 8.2 of the agreement. In section 8.1, Twitch agrees to indemnify Varga from any and all liability, loss, damage, claim, cause of action, or other cost arising out of or related to any third-party claim, alleging that the authorized use by Varga of the Twitch TV player infringes or misappropriates the intellectual property rights of such third-party. This is also just an interesting aside. Um, This is why we have, like, the sort of DMCA provisions that we have. Um, You know, when when you use... Uh, a sort of third party broadcaster and you have one of these partnered agreements, it basically is that, you know, they will, they'll, they'll take the hit and deal with it because, you know, the company, um, should be making sure you don't violate any of the rules. So there's another layer of protection there when you, when you sign up to this. Anyway, um, Section 8.2, by contrast, requires Varga to indemnify Twitch from all liabilities, claims, causes of action, losses, damages, and other costs arising out of, or related to much broader array of causes, including... And again, it's the stuff, you know, uh, that we talked about earlier. Talks about the confidentiality agreements, not really relevant. Um, in its discovery responses, Twitch has made a number of significant admissions that go to the interpretation... enforceability of the limitation of liability provisions. First Twitch has admitted that a provision similar to the limitation of liability provision including the 50,000 cap on damages was included in all of its contracts with content providers. Thus, demonstrating an individualized analysis of damages to the content provider, Varga in this case, that would flow from a breach of the content license and base network agreement was not performed or undertaken. Second, Twitch has admitted that it did not take any efforts to determine the actual losses Varga would suffer in the event of Twitch breaching the agreement, or whether $50,000 bore a reasonable relationship to the actual damages that would flow from a breach of the agreement by Twitch. Finally, Twitch has admitted that, as with all other provisions of the agreement, the limitation of liability provision was drafted by its outside legal counsel. Per its terms, again, I don't, I, I don't know why those three things are relevant... Like, I I honestly don't know why those three things are relevant or why you would have a legal obligation to to, in any of those cases, why that would matter, whatever. Per its terms, the agreement was to expire two years after it was signed, in November 2014. Unbeknownst to Varga, beginning around March 20th, 2014, Howell, Babo and Saw discussed the possibility of providing Varga more favourable terms on his contract renewal, in particular providing him with a higher percentage of the gross subscription revenue, or a sponsorship payment because of the amount of such revenue he had brought into Twitch, and because of his loyalty to the company. Ultimately, however, when Babo approached Varga about renewing the agreement, his only offer was to renew the previous terms. Displaying his lack of business experience, Varga was skills. unaware of his potential leverage That's and really the possibility good. of obtaining a better deal from Twitch. Thank you. Babo approached Varga regarding renewing the contract in March, or, or, or that should be of uh, in, yeah in March or April 2014. This was an extremely busy time for Varga as he was then taking part in a major competitive gaming event in Germany. Babo approached Varga and told him something along the lines of, "We need to renew your contract. We need to get you locked in." Again, this is from Phantom Lord's deposition. Varga asked Babo if he was being offered uh, if what he was being offered was the best deal he could get, and Babo said it was. Babo subsequently memorialized this conversation in an email he sent to Howell. Based on their time together, Varga continued to trust Babo and believe Babo had his best interests at heart. Varga also believed, based on his conversation with Babo, that there was a sense of urgency signing the amended agreement, and that the amended agreement was not subject to negotiation. On or, or on of around April twenty fourth, again I think this should be your um, a day or two after he returned from the event in Berlin, Varga signed the amended agreement. The amended agreement did not alter the terms of the agreement in any way other than to renew the terms of the agreement for two years. Neither Babo nor anyone else ever raised the possibility of Varga obtaining an attorney at this time to review the amended agreement, and Varga did not do so before signing. After signing the amended agreement, Varga's popularity continued to increase to the point he was one of the most popular content producers broadcasting on Twitch. Varga continued to produce content under the terms of the agreement until July 2016, when his account with Twitch was indefinitely suspended by Twitch in breach of the terms of the agreements. Over the entire course of his time at Twitch, Twitch paid Varga approximately $572,000 in revenue. Varga also received significant amount from sponsorships with third parties during this period so we get to the arguments based on these facts we maintain that one the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable unenforceable because it's unconscionable and they say here that they should find it again this is the case law we're getting to the bits where they talk about it um they say that the limitation of liability provision is procedurally unconscionable based on this um They say that oppression was present at the time the agreement was signed, and oppression is defined in law where it says, when the weaker party is presented the clause and told to take it or leave it without the opportunity for meaningful negotiation, uh, and therefore procedural unconscionability is present, and that's according to Zetela versus Discover Bank. So they explicitly say that. Um, the uh, evidence will also demonstrate that the arguments as a whole and the limitation of liability provision in particular were presented on a take-it-or-leave-it basis, basis without the opportunity for meaningful negotiation or to consult legal counsel. So, I don't know how they're going to show that, but if there's a conversation where, like, you know, if either if either like Toshpot or Howell or Baba, you know whoever has said, like, you've got to sign this, like, you have to, you have to sign it now, or it's off the table. If at any point that was said, they have got an argument. Um, I just don't think it was, or I think that would be like front and center. Um, additionally, as the California Supreme Court has recognized, the likelihood of finding oppression with respect to pre-employment contracts, such as this agreement is higher than other contracts because the economic pressure exerted by employers on all, but the most sought after employees may be particularly acute, uh, for the contract stands between the employee and necessary employment. And that's, um, according to, uh, the, uh, our, our so I guess that's a judge in a 24th Cal 4th 115. That's some fucking statue or whatever. Um, finally, oppression is further demonstrated by the gap in legal sophistication between Varga and Twitch. California courts have recognized that even experienced but legally unsophisticated businessmen may be, fairly, may be unfairly surprised by unconscionable contract terms. And that's, again, Corden here uh, quoting AM Produce Company. Um, something... Uh, about that so you can go and look up the case for that then they say it's procedurally unconscionable because it was a surprise (laughs) hidden because it it was essentially hidden in the prolix printed form drafted by the party seeking to enforce the disputed terms so it comes as a surprise Um, if you come down to here there was something else before it. this document ended, uh, where they, this is where they make the argument. Yeah, th- this is the other bit. This is how they make the argument that it's one-sided, even though it clearly says both parties are protected by the clause. So that's interesting. Uh, It says, the limitation of liability provisions exclusion of claims brought pursuant to the confidentiality and indemnification provisions amounts to a one-sided benefit for Twitch at Varga's expense. The confidentiality provisions obligate both sides to retain the confidentiality of the other's proprietary or confidential information and authorize them to obtain an injunction to prevent dissemination of the confidential information. Yet, other than potentially the amounts Varga earns under the agreement, there is little or no confidential or proprietary information that Varga would share with Twitch that would make the exclusion of the provision useful to so they're arguing that this clause and the confidentiality clause they're talking about because it literally is a clause that only but really has you know any significance to Twitch it somehow would invalidate uh and prove one-sided unconscionability I I don't know why they're including that I guess that's another one of those like Hail Mary things we'll just throw that up there really it's all about this limitation of liability clause as I said um uh, Then it goes on to add, uh, on the other hand, Varga received numerous items of confidential and possible proprietary information about Twitch as part of the agreement, and during the course of his engagement, including Twitch's method of compensation and internal discussions about terms of service, that he could take to another platform and use to recruit other streamers. Were Varga to do so, Twitch's damages could easily exceed 50,000 and would certainly include lost profits, making the exclusion of this provision from the limitation beneficial to Twitch, but harmful to Varga. Based on the inherent disparity in the types of confidential information available to employees and employers, courts have found that similar confidentiality provisions in employment agreement to be evidence of substantive unconscionability. Similarly, Twitch is far more likely to benefit from the limitation of liabilities provisions, exclusions of claims brought pursuant to the agreement's indemnity provisions, than it is Varga. Indeed, the indemnity provisions themselves are facially unbalanced. Section 8.1 of the agreement requires Twitch to indemnify Varga only for third-party claims, alleging that the authorized use of content provi- provider of the Twitch TV player infringes or misappropriates the intellectual property rights of a third party. Section 8.3, by contrast, requires Varga to indemnify Twitch for all claims, alleging that content on Varga's uh, content and or websites and or channels, including content appearing within, infringe or misappropriate intellectual property rights for third party, violate a third party's privacy rights or publicity rights, and or are unlawful libelous, defamatory, pornographic, or obscene. Section 8.1 on its face does not provide Varga with anything that he is not already legally entitled to, that Varga would be legally liable for, or that Twitch would not be the target of. If Twitch provided Varga with the software required to stream on his Twitch.tv channel, and Varga's use of the Twitch TV player was within the course of its content streaming on the Twitch TV channel, then it's highly unlikely that Varga would be the target of a claim for violation of intellectual property rights or another simply through its use. On the other hand, it is quite likely that Twitch would make use of Section 8.3, in which Varga indemnifies it for alleged violations uh, of intellectual property rights, privacy or publicity rights, or other unlawful libelous, defamatory, pornographic, or obscene content that he provides through his Twitch channel. In essence, this provision states that Varga must indemnify Twitch for any loss or damage arising from such allegations, even if Twitch continue to profit from that content. Um, and then it ends with the... Uh, public policy thing so this is also interesting so again this limitation of liability clause that they will be discussing on august 13th 14th is the limitation of liability clause is also unenforceable for the independent reason that its application will be against public policy so under section 1668 of the california civil code it states all contracts which have for their object directly or indirectly to exempt anyone from responsibility for his own fraud or willful injury to the person or property of another or violation of law whether willful or negligent are against the policy of law there can be no exemption from liability for intentional wrong gross negligence or violation of law and again it cites that was from the health network california incorporated versus the department of health services in 2003 Accordingly, any limitation of liability clause that seeks to preclude or limit claims based on intentional wrongs or violation of law cannot serve to bar the recovery of damages and is therefore unenforceable. So this is an interesting, you know, this is the crux of the matter, essentially, right at the end. All of the other stuff is kind of neither here nor there. I think, I think unconscionability is a hard sell. But this here saying it's against public policy, this could be interesting because what they're saying is if you, they're arguing from their side. That Twitch has knowingly violated the contract. They've knowingly breached it, and as such, because it was a knowing and willing breach on their part, they cannot be excluded from maximum, uh, potent- You know, the potential maximum ceiling of liability. That you cannot put a clause in that uh, precludes you from that. And these are the cases that sort of verify that. So that's it. That's interesting. Uh, here, because the limitation of liability provision makes no exceptions for intentional wrongs or violations of law, but instead bars the recovery of consequential damages under any cause of action, and limits the total recovery under any theory of liability to $50,000, it is therefore against public policy. Given that this language was drafted by Twitch with the assistance of its outside counsel, and as part of a contract of Hadesian, any ambiguity in the language should be construed against Twitch. And that again, they give another um, citation. What that means is that because they actually used uh, a a law firm to draft this agreement, it was their agreement that they drafted, uh, any, any ambiguity in language must immediately go to the person that's kind of signing the contract, not the fucking outside counsel that drafted the contract. They don't get the benefit of the doubt, in other words. The limitation of liability uh, provisions uh, should therefore be understood to bar even claims of intentional wrongdoing or violation of law. As such, the limitation of liability provision is against public policy and should be held unenforceable by this court. Uh, it goes in to talk about some food safety stuff. That's their background, actually. They sort of they have expertise in that field. So a lot of the cases they cite come from like um, retail and food safety and that sort of thing, because I'm guessing that's the you know cases they're familiar with and then the very last part of it uh, finally the $50,000 cap on damages arising under any theory of liability including the limitation of liability provision is unenforceable because it constitutes an unreasonable liquidated damages provision initially although styled as limitation of liability provisions the $50,000 cap also constitutes a liquidated damages provision under California law Liquidated damages are defined as an amount of compensation to be paid in the event of a breach of contract, the sum of which is fixed and certain by agreement. Thus, to constitute liquidated damages, the contractual provision must 1. arise from a breach and 2. provide a fixed and certain sum. Because they do both of these things in this clause, courts have therefore found limitation of liability provisions that, like this $50,000 cap included in the limitation of liability provision, set specific dollar caps on breach of contract damages to be liquidated damage provisions." Um, Pursuant to section 1671 of the California Civil Code, a provision set in liquidated damages in the event of a breach of contract is invalid and unenforceable if the provision was unreasonable under the circumstances existing at the time the contract was made. So this is not open and shut. I mean, this is where the argumentation comes in. Phantom Lords lawyers are going to argue that $50,000 is unreasonable because of how much money he was actually making. So if Twitch were to violate him, his damages would be 10 times the $50,000. Right. Or more, as they've attempted to demonstrate prior to this. Um, What Twitch are going to say is actually for somebody that we knew that was coming in and given the uncertainty of our industry and that there's you never have guaranteed income as a streamer, you know, apart beyond any retainers that you're being paid, you know, your subs could dry up. You could be not popular. You know, all he had was a fixed rate CPM. Um, they're going to argue that $50,000 limiting his liability actually does him a great favor, especially given that Twitch is a bigger company. So that, that's going to be their argumentation on it. So, uh, And there you have it, pretty much. Um, they're, they're saying that, you know, we're going to go to trial. We fully expect um, that the court will say that the limitation of liability provision is unconscionable against public policy and an unreasonable liquidated damages provision. Um, I think the way they've arrived at that argument is fairly ridiculous and absurd, Um, but the bottom line is there there is still a couple of points I think worthy of legal discussion that's interesting. The idea of unconscionability to me seems ridiculous, seems like a, a, a Hail Mary. The idea about it being against public policy, I think is interesting, and they could have a case there, um, because, and that's just based on, not that the clause is wrong in any way, it's just the specificity of the language. And as you can see from this document alone, other legal documents, you know, law firms aren't perfect, that when they draft agreements, you know, very often, especially if they're done to, uh, you know, like a, a time constraint, Things slip through, like not every contract is airtight, no matter how good your fucking legal team is, so uh, it's entirely possible that that particular clause, that liability clause that got through, actually is against public policy, and just because of the way they've worded it uh, would be deemed unenforceable and uh, this reasonable this reasonable liquidated damages provision i personally don't think it was unreasonable to put $50,000 in and i think it would only benefit phantom lord but if his legal team legal team can make a compelling argument that actually that isn't the case then Shazam he's got a fucking deal with um you know twitch would have to deal rather with the fact that it could be invalidated on that agreement now the key thing oh, all of this guys is this actually is not... This is like the first step of the argument. This is almost about whether or not the the case is worth proceeding with from Phantom Lord's viewpoint, because if it's only $50,000, I mean, you know, like I said, I think Twitch would just settle for that, just to stop this gibberish. Um... But because and fifty thousand dollars is nothing in the grand scheme of things but i also feel as well it would be deemed a huge defeat i mean there's a reason why his law firm are having a spe- specific open court hearing to basically try and uncap the amount of damages that he can claim they want to go for the big win they want to say that what twitch has done is a breach of contract it, he's entitled to hundreds of thousands of dollars of compensation and that's where the case is going that, that's where they want to take the case to. So he's basically going, yeah, his, him and his lawyers are going after to uh, as much money as they can. This will not in any way, shape, or form decide who's going to win. It simply will decide how much damages Phantom Lord is potentially, potentially uh, open to. And what what I what I don't understand is um, if they invalidate that limited liability clause, which can go both ways. I don't know if it opens the door to Twitch claiming damages beyond fifty thousand dollars for Phantom Lord. So it could be a little bit of a Pandora's box, honestly. I, I I'm not too sure because you know, having kept up with the case, I I don't seem to explicitly remember Twitch going after damages. They I don't think they've named an amount, but they but they potentially could. Um, so well, that can't be true. Someone in the chat says he's aiming for thirty million dollars. That would be that would be absurd. There there would be no way to arrive at that figure. Um, so I, I, you know, there's no, there's no way. <laughs> so I don't buy that. Um, but anyway, so I think th- th- this is interesting. You know, it's in a few days. I, 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 Rod lives in New York. Slasher lives in New York. Um, yeah, do f- find the clip and link it to me, but I'd appreciate that if that's legit, cause that does seem ridiculous. Um, and again, just, there's no way cause <laughs> the 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 whole point of damages would i mean it would have to be for significant emotional damages is what you and i don't think they're arguing for that so um now if, if he said 3 mil you know i could maybe see how he could attempt to claim that based on lost sponsorships and everything else that 30 millions just way too far so um i don't know again i've have looked at the arguments that are laid out by both parties I kind of feel that this is uh, almost like, you know, I, I, I feel Twitch have the stronger argument going in. Um, I, I, I haven't read all the legal documents, you know, Twitch's lawyers seem to have it a little bit more put together, but, you know, it, it could be interesting. Like, again, it comes down to the court and, um, you know, the, the judge might decide... You know, might, might be sympathetic, might not be you never know how it's going to go when you, we put the arguments, it's all that happens on the day now I think Slasher said that he might go down to this, I'm obviously like just a 40 minute flight away, the question is can I be asked to actually go to the to the court and report on this live do you know what I mean can I actually be bothered to fucking get on, book a flight go to California, go to this courthouse sit there for two days reporting on this and uh, make, make fucking content on it um, but yeah, I, I'm like, you know, that sounds like $500 I may as well wipe my arse on. I don't think it's going to be all that interesting, frankly. But um, but then again, I would see Tosspot again. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, so I might, I might. I'll, I'll wait and see how I'm going to feel about that. But there you go. That That's everything that's going on. So all the people have been tweeting, like, going, oh, I hope Phantom Lord gets crushed at uh, at court. Uh, on thirteenth or fourteenth, and fuck, fuck this the original guy, and all this other stuff. The, the reality is, this isn't the this Here's isn't the most important part of the time, court case Kappa at all. Pride. Thank you, Capo Pride. Um, it's it. This is literally just whether or not we uncap the damages component to it. That's it. And then, you know, who knows how long it will take to actually get to court again to actually do the arguments again. And this is what I mean when I tell people. Um, when I when I when I tell people. Uh, you, you know, what it's like, Uh, you know, when, when you cover these lawsuits and how long these things take. Like, when you consider this all happened in 2016 and here we are in August 2019 and we're still arguing about the damages that he'd be liable for, these things are fucking, they take a long fucking time, dude they take a long time like when you go when you go get into a lawsuit you are basically signing up for just years of oppressive misery and expenses like it's ridiculous the way the law the law works the law is a fucking ass dude it sucks